The Scoop Podcast, brought to you by PPG, the official paint of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, here's your host, Josh Getzoff. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the latest episode of the Scoop Podcast. You know what? It's officially Olympic season across the world with the globe's best athletes in Beijing, China for the 2022 Winter Olympic Games. And we know, of course, the NHL was supposed to be there. We know the Penguins were going to be probably really well represented. Of course, you had Mike Sullivan coaching Team USA. You had Sidney Crosby, probably undoubtedly the captain of Canada, but Behind Mike Sullivan on the bench, he had Todd Reardon, Andy Socher, the video coach was going to go to Beijing as well to represent Team USA. Uh, you also had, as far as other pe- Penguins, possibly Kasperi Kapanen with Team Finland. Uh, you go down the list of Genny Malkin, obviously, with Russia, Teddy Bluger with Latvia. There were a lot of possibilities uh, as far as Penguins playing in Beijing, but not to be due to the COVID situation and postponements that kind of warped the schedule across the National Hockey League. Nonetheless, the Penguins are represented on Team USA, making his fifth, yeah, that's right, five, one, two, three, four, five appearances for Team USA in the Olympics, three times as a player. This his second time as an assistant coach on the USA Hockey men's coaching staff. It's Penguins Director of Player Development, Scott Young, a former Penguin himself and a member of the 91 Cup team. Now, he also won it all with the Colorado Avalanche in 96, and on top of that, has won an Olympic silver medal, a World Cup of Hockey gold medal, a World Junior Championship bronze medal, an NCAA title, and is a member of the USA Hockey Hall of Fame. (laughs) Not bad. Come to think of it, when I say this is episode 47, I kind of messed up. He wore 34, yeah, for that Pens team in 91. But when you think about Scott Young in an NHL sweater, aside from that Penguins team, he's closely associated with the number 48. He wore it with the Quebec Nordiques, the Colorado Avalanche, the St. Louis Blues, the Anaheim Ducks, and the Dallas Stars during his 17-year NHL career. So maybe I should have saved it for the next episode with Scott as the guest. Eh, no. This one has an Olympic flair. It's got Scott Young, and we touch on a lot. The upcoming run in Beijing for Team USA. Can they win gold? Which country is their biggest threat? What's it been like to knowing you're not going to coach to all of a sudden being told you can coach and be given the opportunity to coach Team USA in essentially the span of 35 to 40 days to get a roster ready to go out there to the Olympics? There's a lot of stuff that we touch on with Scott. A lot of questions around all that and some memories too, like that awesome World Cup of Hockey in 1996. I wanted to talk to Scott about that, and he very gracefully let me in on some stories and us as well with you being able to check out this episode. Scott shares some thoughts on all that. It's always a pleasure to speak with one of the USA's best hockey products ever and of course a member of the penguins family so now three times as a player and ahead of his second time as an assistant coach in the olympics representing team usa and usa hockey here's my chat with penn's director of player development scott young in episode 47 of the scoop podcast so i'm just going to rattle off the resume real quickly here two-time Stanley Cup champion, Olympic silver medalist, World Cup of Hockey Championship, a World Junior Championship bronze, USA Hockey Hall of Fame inductee. And now you can add, I don't know where, Scott, maybe like second, maybe totally in the toilet, guest on the Scoop podcast. Where does that rank amongst all those accolades? (laughs) Hey, nowadays it ranks right up there. So this is, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you on. I really appreciate you taking the time. It has been a... uh, 
obviously a whirlwind of the last couple of months for you. I'm sure anyone involved in USA Hockey and really in the Olympics uh, on that front for that matter. And we'll definitely get into that throughout this conversation. But how are things in the present for you? You're the Penguins Director of Player Development in your fifth year in that role and obviously keeping busy in that task. Yeah, I love the job. Um, you know, obviously, first and foremost, uh, seeing the big team play so well, obviously, is is the main goal. And uh, for us, we have to make sure that we, you know, keep our guys in, in Wilkes-Barre ready to play, keep them developing and, and uh, being ready at, at, uh, for anything that happens. And obviously, with the, the current times, with all the COVID and taxi squad and road trips where we need extra guys um you know that's the most important thing but we want to make sure these guys are getting better we have a lot of good young prospects and then you know i'm also involved uh, you know with development we got to be traveling around making sure our prospects are doing well in college and major junior and over in europe so uh it's always busy and then you throw the olympics in on top of it it uh, it adds a little bit more to it yeah, no question about that. You mentioned the prospects, and I found it interesting this year just kind of observing from our position in the broadcast side of things. Uh, we don't get to see Wilkes-Barre Scranton at all in person, but we're following along from a distance. And the roster, I guess, juggling that's happened down there as a result of all the movement up here in Pittsburgh, particularly in the beginning of the year when there were the injuries and guys out with COVID. What was that like, and, and what did you make of the job done to kind of manage all that down there? Well, I, I think it's been really difficult it's it's really like a roller coaster ride because you know we started off the season very well really really liked our lineup and then you know you add in an injury or two and then a, a you know the, the the covid protocol and everybody you know it seemed like everybody down there i think there's only i want to say there's maybe four players in wilkesbury that haven't had covid of any sort so it's wow. gone through everybody and it's gone through everybody really a couple of times and then you couple that with the, you know, all the COVID situations up top. And uh, it, it's, it's left us with some real depleted lineups at times. Um, so, you know, there was a tough stretch right around Christmas, right before Christmas. And then we got some reinforcements. We got some guys back from COVID and really turned things around. I was there uh, not too long ago and we really turned things around. One, four out of five really felt good. Um, so it, it's been a challenge. It's definitely been a challenge. I wish you guys the best of luck moving forward there. I know at least in the next month or so, your attention is going to move away from Northeast Pennsylvania and all the way across the globe to Beijing, China for the 2022 Olympic Games, as you were recently named uh, an assistant coach on the U.S. men's hockey team staff. First of all, congratulations. Uh, and second of all, can you kind of take us through that process? Because we all know how things were set up to be uh, in Beijing. And obviously there's been a pretty drastic pivot over the last, what, 35, 40 days from that perspective. Yeah. So what happened when the, when the NHL decided that the NHL players weren't going to be allowed to go? Um, I think the natural uh, decision there with David Quinn being on the, the, the staff with Mike Sullivan and having his history and being the head coach of the Rangers, uh, I think that was a great pick to become the head coach and uh once that all all settled down and he was named head coach he called me and asked me to be an assistant so um it it, I, it took me a couple of minutes I, I you know i i thought about china covid all the a few different things but we started talking hockey and started talking possible rosters and 
I could just feel myself getting excited right away. And I, I said, okay, you know, I'll be in. I just got to talk to, I got to run this by Ron Hextall, make sure he's okay with it. Um, and he was completely supportive. He said, I'd never, never, ever, you know, prevent you from doing something like this. This always learning experiences in hockey, and this would be another great learning experience. And I'm really, I've been really excited ever since. And then we had to put this roster together quickly. Um, but having gone through it in 2018, because I was an assistant on that team, we had a right. longer period of time, but at least we had gone through it. So that part, I think, helped a lot. And we know the players out there. I've been now around, you know, this is my fifth year with the Penguins. So I've, I've been out more on the road seeing a lot of these players. I'm way more familiar with these players than I was in 2018. So I feel that the process went really well. We had probably six Zoom calls myself the whole coaching staff, John Van Beesbrook. Um, and I think we really did it the right way. We didn't rush into anything. We took our time with it. And I think we picked a, a really good hockey team. I'm going to get to that formation of the roster in a second there. And also your your return trip, as you mentioned, behind the bench for the U.S. team in the Olympics. Uh, but I have to say, you first you had Mike Sullivan and David Quinn and John Hines, and now you got David Quinn and Scott Young. The BU guys just can't help themselves, right? They're just all <laughs> over the U.S. hockey roster. <laughs> uh, you know what? We hear it all the time, but hey, it's been a great breeding ground for NHL players and for players in management, and they're really all over the league. And uh, I think it just says a lot about BU. Uh, it, and it's not a as many as you know. Some people may think it's a friendship thing, or it's a, oh, you went to BU, you're going to get the job. No, you got to be qualified for the job. You know, right. it's not just because you went to the same school. Um, but I go way back with David Quinn. We played at BU together. I sure. coached at BU with him before taking the, the job with the Penguins. And uh, he, I consider him a really good friend. And I think he realizes I've been through this a number of times. Um, so I think it's the, the staff. We've got a great staff. Yeah, no, definitely. You guys have a more than capable staff uh, going to Beijing. I did want to ask you, you mentioned being teammates with David Quinn. You also were teammates with Mike Sullivan for one year, if I'm not mistaken, uh, at BU. What was Sully the player like compared to Sully the coach? Are there any similarities? Can you even identify the two guys? Well, what I remember Sully, he was a freshman. I was a sophomore, and he, had, he was the left wing on our line. Yeah. And so I played with him for the full year. I remember him being a very hardworking, responsible, two-way player that coaches could trust on the ice. Uh, you know, sure, he could score goals, but it wasn't that he was some dynamic goal scorer. He was just really responsible and smart all over the ice, which I think he loves to have in all his players right now. Um, and, and he, you know, it was hard to tell, but as a freshman, he seemed at the time to be mature beyond his years, you know, he came in as a young guy and he fit right in with us. And, uh, you know, it's really amazing to see these days how everything has evolved. It's it's pretty cool. And especially to see, obviously, the success he's had yourself, uh, John Hines, David Quinn, you can go down the list of guys, Chris Drury. There were all those BU guys throughout the years uh, that have had a ton of success. I know I'm missing a ton just off the rattling off the top of my head right there. But there are a lot of guys that have clearly gone down the line and been very successful in the game of hockey. But you mentioned, Scott, that this is the second time you'll be behind the bench for Team USA uh, in the Olympic Games as an assistant coach. You also were there in 2018. 
Uh, when you think about that experience to now, as you said, David Quinn kind of looking at you as a guy who's been there and understands what goes on and what it's been like, what do you feel like you'll be able to translate to this time around now kind of having a better understanding of, I guess, the tournament sprint, so to speak, when you're in that three-week setting and you don't have a lot of time to kind of make everything coalesce and go in the right direction, hopefully, for the U.S. squad? Well, the one thing I personally feel better about is, is uh, knowledge of our players. I personally didn't have a great knowledge of a lot of the players on the team because I hadn't been working. I, I had already committed to the 2018 team and being an assistant coach before I got the Pittsburgh job. So I wasn't on the road as much scouting um, at the, I was scouting, you know, for BU, but at much younger levels. So, uh, and I, you know, I wasn't aware all the guys playing in Europe. I wasn't aware of their styles. Uh, now being in the league, you know, being in the NHL with the Penguins for five years, I've been on the road a ton, been over in Europe, um, have access to Instat where I could watch players' shifts. I had a lot of input, uh, as we all did, with picking this team, whereas I just had to trust the guy's opinion. You know, it's always great to go back and forth when you're talking about players. And in 18, I I knew a few players, but I kind of had to just go along with it because, hey, if they said this player was the right player, hey, I trust you because I don't know anything about them. Now it's a much different story. I know a lot about a lot of these players and uh, had some good input. So I feel better that way. It's always good to know your players, obviously, especially in a short tournament. And the one thing that we did is we picked more college players because our college players over there at the time in 18, we had uh, Troy Terry, uh, Donato, and um, Greenway who were some of our best players over there. And that was one of the questions going in. How are they going to just jump into this and adapt to this pace? Is it better to pick guys that are playing pro and that are older and more mature over in Europe? So we have a balance of the two, and we weren't afraid to go with younger guys that have been playing in college. So uh, we have guys from the KHL. We have guys from the DEL in Germany, and we've got a lot of college players. So uh, I like the mix of our team right now. It's definitely a good mix, as you mentioned, heavily uh, slanted towards the college aspect, but some guys with some pro aspect as well. And one guy that's a returning guy, not the only returner, but one of the returners is Brian O'Neill. I have to tell you, Scott, uh, I actually played youth hockey with Brian O'Neill growing up in the Philly area. We were line mates for one year with the Wissahickon Warriors. I doubt he remembers my game, but I definitely remember him, and I'm not surprised to see the success that he has had uh, throughout the years. Uh, you get guys like that that kind of come in from the European professional leagues. You bring in the uh, the tangible aspect of the collegiate game. It seems like to be a nice mix of a roster here for a group that I think when you just say it on the surface, for a lot of common and casual hockey fans in the United States, they may be pretty unfamiliar with the roster, but there's a lot to like as far as the balance and the experience. Yeah, we, we tried to mix the, you know, the proper amount of guys. And obviously, you've got to be playing well when you're playing over in Europe. But if you're playing well in the KHL, that's a good league. So you got to also judge the leagues that you're picking these guys from. So if we're taking a guy from the, the, the SHL and the Swedish League and uh, the DEL, uh, maybe not as strong, but we have David Warsawski from that league. Um, yeah. But O'Neill has done very well over there. And, uh, you know, O'Neill's the guy that hit the post for us with two minutes to go against the checks. We ended up going into overtime. We didn't uh, score in the shootout. We went over five. They went one for five and they advanced to the semis. So that's how close it is. Um, and O'Neill's been through that. And 
going into 18, it's a perfect example. I did not know a lot about O'Neill. And I grew to really like him over the course of that tournament. He was a real gamer for us and kept getting better and better and, and proved himself. So uh, I know he's looking forward to getting back. And one of the biggest things, too, about the guys from Europe, uh, everybody's excited to be there. But I remember um, being on the ice with Chris Bork, and it was the second day in 2018. And he skated up to me and he said, this is already going by way too fast. <laughs> and that's that excitement from these players, they are just thrilled to, to be where they are. Some of these guys, you know, NHL isn't in their future anymore. So this is the highlight of their their careers. I mean, some of the guys now, the younger college guys, yeah, they're going to want to go. They could go on and play in the NHL. But some of these guys from Europe, I mean, they understand the position they're in. And they might may never get it again. So uh, we're going to get every ounce of effort and commitment from these guys. We certainly know that. You got a few guys, as I mentioned, with Brian and some other members of your roster that'll be appearing as an Olympian for the second time in their lives. You've done that, a two-time Olympian, also now a two-time coach on the Olympic team. I, I wonder, I was thinking about this, and I have to be honest, I didn't wasn't able to really do that deep of a dive, but you have to be on a pretty short list there, Scott, as far as guys that have been a two-time Olympian and two-time member of the coaching staff for the respective national teams. Well, I'm sorry. I got to correct you. It's three-time Olympian. So oh, I played in... My mistake. My mistake. <laughs> not, to, not to be a jerk here. But, uh, <laughs> no, I played in 88 um, and I played in 92. And then I also played in 2002 under Herb Brooks. And and it was right. really a thrill for me to be able to play in those different situations because one was mostly all college and then a little bit of a mix. And then it was all pro in 2002 and it was in the States. So I feel so honored and privileged to be able to have played on those teams with those players and just to get gain those experiences um that's why it's so hard to you know ever say no to an olympics no matter what the situation covid and all this it's just so hard because it's such an exciting tournament such an honor to be there so i'm really thrilled about it i've been walking around for the last couple of weeks a uh, little extra hop in my steps so it's going to be fun understandable so for for those of us that you know, we're all excited to see a lot of the NHL players, and now we're going to see slightly different rosters across the board here. Can you kind of handicap the field for us? I know, obviously, you have the bias towards the uh, American squad, but who are going to be some of your biggest challenges going into Beijing as far as the other countries? Well, I, I think the team that's always brought up here is is the Russians because they're, you know, they have the strongest pro league outside of the NHL in the KHL. So, and they have a lot of those guys that are playing together. Um, they put them together to prepare for the Olympics. Um, they did it in 18. They had a lot of them playing together. So they're gonna have some time and some prep time. Um, the other team that, I mean, I think we're all in the same boat in a lot of ways. The other team, and, and this is where it, I think it's wide open is Germany's, Germany almost beat the Russians in the gold medal game in 18. And Germany's well coached. They're, they're together for a long time. They're a very disciplined hockey team. But for Germany, that would have been their miracle of 1980, I believe. Because, you know, everybody had the Russians in 18 just running away with this thing because they've got all these pros and uh, that are playing in the KHL. They have Kovalchuk. And, um, and I, and I, I might not be exact here, but they were like, it was like the last minute of the game that Germany was on the power play and they're up by a goal and the Russians score shorthanded to tie it. 
it, it was just crazy how that game ended. But anybody can win this thing. But I think if you're going into it, you're you're you everybody's looking at the Russians. And then then there's teams that are very disciplined and have played together a little bit longer. Um, but I, I I really do. I think it's wide open. Like I said, we 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 come a shootout goal or we come a post away from advancing to the semis. As we mentioned, you've obviously taken home a silver medal yourself in Olympic competition. The, the uh, U.S. team will be looking to get a, a gold there in Beijing. That's obviously the ultimate goal. And you've done that in the World Cup of Hockey. And I'd be remiss if I didn't bring that up, Scott, because that 96 World Cup of Hockey, as we kind of peel it back, what, 16 years ago, uh, what an awesome tournament, first of all. I was young at that time. I was, I was a, you know, a huge Huge fan of a lot of different players. I wouldn't say a particular team. So to be able to watch all of you guys go toe-to-toe was so cool for me. But I look back at that, and I'm sure you do too. Uh, now looking back on it all these years later with just the star power across the board and then that awesome championship series between you guys uh, and the Canadians, how much do you uh, do you reflect on that from time to time and think about just how great of hockey that was? Well, personally, I don't think about it, but a lot of people bring it up over the course of a year. Like what? When they start th- uh, showing the replays on NHL Network in the summer, I start getting texts all the time. Like, in, <laughs> and most of the texts are, "I can't believe how dirty the hockey was back then, and what you could get away with." I mean, you could maul someone, you could put your stick around his waist and just haul him down. They and they didn't call anything. So, but it was just looking at our roster, the Canadians' roster, the Russians' roster. It it was it was just loaded with with all-stars and tremendous hockey players. And I'm really uh, looking back at it. You kind of don't grasp it when you're going through it, but looking back at it, I'm so happy that I was a part of that. Um, Just, I mean, you just, I can't even start off with the rosters. You can go through everybody, Chelios and LaFontaine and Leach and Madonna and Hull and and, uh, Kachuk and Gary. I mean, you just keep going and Richter um, and playing against Gretzky and them. So it, it was, it was awesome. And I think it was really a time that it always felt like Canada just always found a way and just owned the United States. And that was our, our fight back. And I, and I think there was a statement made by early on that when Kachuk and Garen, I mean, they're young guys, they're sitting in the locker room and they're saying, Hey, we're not taking anything from these guys. Let's go out and fight. Both. I'll fight. Yeah, all right, I'll fight too. And and it was just this set the tone that we're not backing down anymore. And, uh, I mean, it was still a hell of a challenge because they're such a good hockey team. And, I mean, right. if you look at their roster, they're just loaded. But it was just like we're not, just, we're not taking a back seat anymore. And, uh, fortunately, it worked out, and it was a great series. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but you guys won the actual World Cup of Hockey in Canada, right? Didn't you win the clinching game up there? Yeah, we lost the first game, and then we had to win two uh, the next two games in Montreal. And what was that like? <laughs> that was that was crazy. They were we were we were hated people up there, uh, walking around the streets of Montreal. We had a short walk from the Chateau Champlain over to the arena in the Bell Center, but but it was uh, you know hold on to your hat on that walk because we were getting heckled and people coming up to us and trying to find back doors to sneak into but but it was tremendous i mean playing in montreal whenever is always a great experience i've always loved it and um it was just such a you know they look like they're gonna pull something off again i think it was adam foot that scored and 
but to come back with the Tony Amani goal and, and Brett Hall, I mean, it just, it was, you couldn't have written it any better. It's crazy listening to you rattle off those names because you're right. It does sound like you're just walking through the Hall of Fame wing in, in the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto there with all those names and the, st the storied careers they had. Uh, but I wanted to ask you about that USA team. I mean, you mentioned Billy Guerin and, and Kikachuk and guys like that. Is there a player on that team that you felt like maybe because of that tournament started to rise to the surface, it was a little bit underappreciated, and then afterwards maybe more recognized as one of the key faces of USA hockey and up and coming faces of USA hockey as a result? Oh, that's hard to tell. A lot of guys on the team had gone through a lot of USA hockey teams prior, True. whether it be world juniors or, or uh, Canada cups or, but um, the, 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 I felt that the way that we built our team, we didn't build, it wasn't an all-star team. It, it was, it was in a lot of ways, but, we also had guys like Joel Otto. Yeah. Um, you know, myself, I wasn't going to be counted on to be a, a heavy offensive guy there. Um, uh, Smolinski, like these guys, they, you know, we had the McDonald's and the Hulls and the Doug Waits and all these guys that were going to be our leaders offensively. So I felt we, felt we had Darian Hatcher. You know, it wasn't just built that who has the most points you're going to make the team. It was there was thought put into it. Who's going to win the, the face off when we need to win that big face off? Who's going to block the shot when we're penalty, we're killing a penalty? Um, and obviously Richter stood on his head, but I felt like yeah. we built it like a team, like Lou Morello built it, it like a team. And he filled the right spots with the right players and the right roles. Um, not that Canada, you know, didn't do the same, I guess, but it was, I always thought, Hey, maybe there were guys left off our team that were, had big, much bigger numbers than Joel Otto and myself, but we, we were willing to play different roles. Resulted in a world cup of hockey championship, a gold for you guys in USA. As I mentioned, you got the silver in the Olympics in 2002. Um, a couple of cups as well. One, of course, with the penguins, one with the Colorado avalanche. This is probably an unfair question, Scott, but have you ever thought about which is there is there a, an element of sweetness that's higher in winning a gold medal in the uh, World Cup of Hockey or a silver in the Olympics when you're representing your country or that silver Stanley Cup in playing in the NHL? Can you compare any of that? You know, I always used to try to ask answer that question, and it it's really I'm I'm at the point now where I'm like I really don't think it's comparable. Um, fair, yeah. The one thing I'll say that's harder to do i mean it, the stanley cup is the hardest thing to win in in sports and my just because of the the season and the the, the four seven round you know seven game series that's harder I, I mean i really do think the time and effort that you put into that it, it's harder to win but the satisfaction of winning for your country is it's different it's just different it it, it, it holds a different place so i really don't like comparing them because I think they're tough to compare. Fair enough. And you've done it all. So you have the right to, to say that. I think also, Scott, when you look at this, as we bring it back here to the present, this Penguins team, as you get set to head to the Olympics, they're cruising right along. I mean, I know they, they had a hiccup towards the end of their homestand against Seattle, but at the same time, uh, a group that's right towards the top of the Metro division, right towards the top, the top of the Eastern Conference and the National Hockey League, you know a championship team when you see one. You've been on one, a couple actually. 
And obviously, we're just past the midway point of the season. A lot of, you know, runways still in front of this Penguins team. But what do you see from them that makes you think, if you do, that, hey, there, there's a chance for a deep run here for this group? Yeah, I mean, I think it starts with Mike Sullivan. He's done a tremendous job. He always does. I mean, we're down so many key players and, and so many bodies in the beginning of the season. And he gets these guys playing on the same page, um, playing the same way, supporting each other, playing that same in-your-face pressure hockey, relentless. And it's so impressive to see. Um, and it's regardless of who's in the lineup. Obviously, when we get our big guys back in the lineup, we're a better hockey team. But the way that Sully is able to bring our guys together in in challenging times is really impressive. And then you have to go to our goaltending has been so good. Um, and then you can just look throughout our lineup. If we get a guy go down, two guys go down, three guys go down, we've had COVID, all this. We come in and it's like it, we haven't missed a beat. We haven't skipped a beat. So. I think it is a lot of credit goes to Mike Sullivan. Um, I've been in those meetings. I hear how he communicates. I hear his tone, his detail. Uh, yeah, I think there's no better in the game. I really do. I have no problem saying as a, in the member of the NHL's Broadcasters Association, we get a vote for the Jack Adams, and people will call me biased, but he's at the top of my ballot right now for the job that he's done this season uh, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I did want to ask you about coaching because you've been a head coach before back at St. Mark's in your home state of Massachusetts. You've obviously been an assistant coach a few times. Is that something you'd like to do in the future, maybe as like a more of a, a main role, or, or are you okay on the uh, development side of things for now and kind of learning the route through that? I prefer to stay on the development side. I I love the coaching uh, in in short stints, I guess, and being able to come into Wilkesbury and help out our coaches and and uh, but I, I I prefer to probably go into the you know to stay in the development, maybe uh, look towards the management side of things, um, and and both are great. But uh, I remember Mike Sullivan telling me this when I first got the development job. He said the great thing about development is you can go either way. You can go coaching or you can go management. It, it, it prepares you for both. So um, I'm, I'm keeping everything open, but uh, I'm very happy with the job right now. I love it. and But I would prefer to, to go towards that uh, management style, I guess. Understandable. And we'll, we'll let you go with one last thing. You mentioned just the, the prospects kind of starting to find their stride for Wilkes-Barre Scranton and throughout the organization for that matter, regardless of where they're playing in Europe or in college, uh, anything of that sort. Um, where did some of the, you know, the the younger guys stand right now in your mind that you've been able to see? Is there anyone who's kind of jumped out this season in their development? Uh, the Penguins fans should be, I don't want to say looking to see in Pittsburgh in the very near future, but maybe have on their radar as far as future opportunities with the Penguins down the line. Well, I think a, a lot of uh, people want to know about, you know, Poulin, Sam Poulin, and he's made a big jump in the past, I want to say, three weeks. He's really playing good hockey. And and it just sometimes it just takes a little while for that to click. And he's in a good groove right now. He's moving his feet. He's stealing pucks. He looks confident. He's played very well. Um, the other guy I think has been really impressive is Valtteri Pustinen. Um, now, he's played professional hockey over in fin Finland, and you can see that he has for a number of years because he's got pro habits. He's got an IQ that could play with – with our high-end players. He's got a hell of a shot, but he's a smart player and he sees the ice. 
Um, and then we just got uh, Nylander in with the trade for Sam Lafferty, and, and Nylander's played very well for us there. Um, you know, we still got Angelo there. We've got Bjorkvist, who, got, who you've seen up top a little bit. Um, Hallander has played very well lately. Um, we, we've had a lot of guys that are playing uh, good hockey in the past couple of weeks, three weeks, that uh, once we got this thing turned around, and you know it's been it's been good to see it's like they've they've found the pace they're seeing the ice the game has slowed down for them a little bit and uh, it's all coming together so nathan laguerre is another guy he's going to need a little bit more time but but he's pushing hard but you know these guys you know we get these guys they're 20 years old we have to understand that you know <laughs> we have to understand that 20 years old hey if it takes them uh you know, six months, or if it takes them a year or two years, they're still very young. So we want to make sure that we're not pushing anybody too quickly into the NHL uh, because we don't think that that's the right thing to do, but they're going to get there. As Mike Sullivan always says here in Pittsburgh, it's always the process to getting to the end goal, not just jumping right to the finish line. So it certainly sounds like those guys are well on their way in the process. Uh, Scott, we can't thank you enough for your time. I really appreciate you taking some time. I know the schedule's hectic right now, but want to wish you and the United States men's hockey team the best of luck, and the women as well uh, there in Beijing. We hope uh, the next time we see you back in Pittsburgh, you got another heavy medal that's the color gold around your neck. <laughs> Well, I hope so, too. Thanks. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Always appreciate Scott's time. We wish him and the boys and U.S. women's hockey well and all the best in Beijing. Hopefully we get a couple more medals coming back to the United States courtesy of those two squads. Thanks to everyone out there for tuning in. Lots of fun going down memory lane with Scott. We hope you enjoyed. We'll be back soon for another episode of the Scoop Podcast as well. So keep your eyes peeled and your ears in tune and subscribe. We're out there, Spotify, Google Music, Apple Play, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us. So make sure you subscribe to the Scoop Podcast, and we appreciate your listenership. Talk to you soon, everyone. Thanks for listening to Episode 47 of the Scoop Podcast. I'm Josh Getzoff, and we'll talk with you soon.